0: The following program gives personal opinions and is intended to provide entertainment and information only. It is not considered to be any form of legal, investment, appraisal, or inspection advice whatsoever. Listeners are encouraged to secure two to three bids from competing contractors for specific issues pertinent to their home or situation. Welcome to Real Estate Unveiled, where we pull back the shades to give you the truth and nothing but the truth about real estate with a laser focus on everything about home inspections and real estate appraisals.
1: That's right. We're here to demystify the real estate process and take the fear and anxiety out of the equation to unearth the real scoop about home inspections and the real estate appraisal process.
0: Oh, if homes could talk. Well, that's our job. I'm Tim Hance, board-certified master home inspector and owner of All Islands Home Inspections.
1: And I'm Elizabeth Hance, Washington State certified real estate appraiser and owner of All Islands Appraisal.
0: Consider us your truth-tellers, unbiased ambassadors of and mouthpieces for the home. We're delighted to be here. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about mold, You know, that black, white, green, fuzzy stuff that can lurk within a home. Truth be told, this is a common fixable issue that frequently comes up in home inspections and real estate appraisals. The good news is that it's careable.
1: So yuck, we're going to talk about mold. Specifically, we're going to focus on mold in attics. Is it a safety issue? Is it a health concern? Is it a necessary repair? How do I fix it? And does anyone really care?
0: To help us answer these questions, we're really excited to have Bob Shoup, Principal Executive at Cleaner Guys, a full service cleaning and restoration company based out of Mount Vernon, Washington. Cleaner Guys specializes in mold removal, water damage, fire and smoke damage, and reconstruction. Thanks to Bob and Cleaner Guys for coming into the studio with us. Cleaner Guys is a great company to call if you need to repair damage to your home caused by water, fire, and mold. You can reach them at 360-757-4300 or www.cleanerguys.com. Bob Shoup has been a great resource to my clients when mold issues present and has been in the cleaning and restoration industry for nearly 20 years. Bob holds a master water restorer and mold remediation certification with IICRC, the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration, as well as smoke odor and fire damage cleaning certifications. Bob lives in Mount Vernon with his wife and nine children. Bob, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, thanks, Tim and Liz. It's great to be here. Thanks for your time. And uh, it's fun to be able to get together and talk about mold.
1: Bob says mold is fun, Tim. What do you think about that?
0: (laughs) I I don't know if fun is how I describe mold, but uh, I see mold in attics in approximately 30% of the homes that I inspect here in the Pacific Northwest. So it's, it's a pretty common issue. So common, in fact, that I've written an online blog article about it, and I link it in every single inspection report where I discover mold in an attic. Uh, not all home inspectors or real estate appraisers call out mold in attics, which I think is a mistake because it's visibly presenting, and it's really our obligation to do so, Um Furthermore, if anyone peeks into an attic, they're going to see discoloration, wonder what it is, and that can be an issue uh, that can be problematic and alarming to, to home buyers. The issue will likely come up again when the home is sold in the future, and most buyers want it dealt with prior to closing. So it's important to bring it to a client's intention right away so they can negotiate it with the, the seller or the realtor. Um, Keeping in mind, the seller doesn't need to do anything. Uh, they just need to install carbon monoxide detectors in a house, but it's something that will likely come up again. So it's important to deal with it or at least know about it upfront prior to purchasing the home. Um, Finally, mold can growth can come up again at the real estate appraisal level. And so on that note, Liz, uh, what's, what's a real estate appraiser's perspective on mold?
1: Well, mold can definitely be an issue in an appraisal. Um, depending on the type of appraisal that's being performed. And that depends on who is, who is funding the appraisal. If I'm working for a lender, for example, there are certain form reports that are required in the appraisal process. And on those reports on the first page or two are uh, statements and checkboxes that have to be made that say, does this house have any structural safety or soundness issues so an appraiser has to acknowledge mold if they see it. Um, an appraiser doesn't always look into the attic sometimes um, or the crawl space. Uh, for a conventional loan, for example, it's not required that I look in the attic or the crawl space of a property. Uh, but for FHA and VA loans, uh, VA being the Veterans affair and FHA being the Federal Housing Authority, um, which are uh, more restrictive types of loans and they require um, a lot more from the appraisal process and from the homeowner. Um, those, those two types of appraisals do require that we look in the attic and the crawl space, that we comment on what we see and that we take photographs. So um, mold can definitely be an issue. From the lender's perspective, we will, uh, if we see mold, Uh, not only do we comment about it, but it changes the type of appraisal that gets generated. Um, so there's two types of an appraisal. One is called an as is and as is is what all the lenders and everyone involved in the loan process really want to see. They want to see there's nothing of issue. There's nothing that needs to be noted. So, um, if we see mold, it's probably not going to be an as is appraisal, um, So when we see it, we're going to check a box that says subject to and subject to is going to mean subject to uh, information about this apparent mold. So we're going to state what we see similar uh, to how a home inspector would state it. We will not say that we know that it's mold. We will say it's apparent mold or it's mold like growth or um, some appraisers won't even use the dirty mold word. They'll say a green and black like substance because of liability. Um, so as you can imagine, when an appraiser makes a statement in an appraisal report that says apparent mold or mold-like growth, it's going to be a red flag for the underwriter. For those of you who don't know, an underwriter is the person that works for the lender who reviews the appraisal and is looking and reading through it for risk assessment for the bank. So with that red flag in mind, the, uh, the appraiser is going to recommend a professional mold inspection or report, and possibly the lender is going to require it to be repaired. Um, the appraisal, it, it's, there's a part on the page, the first page of an appraisal report that says, are there any physical deficiencies or adverse conditions that affect the livability, soundness, or structural integrity of, of the property? The appraiser, when they see mold, really has to say yes. They have to say yes. There, there seems to be something here that affects the livability of the property. It may affect the soundness. Uh, we don't see behind walls, so we don't know if it's a structural issue. But at a minimum, you've got something that's of concern.
0: So, so it comes up at the appraisal, it comes up at the inspection, uh, and then you call in a, a mold remediation professional, uh, which is uh, Cleaner Guys, Bob Shoup with Cleaner Guys. Bob, what's, what's your perspective about mold in attics um, just in general?
2: Yeah, you know, it tends to be a um, pretty unique problem uh, to the Northwest, I think, because of the climate that we're in. We see it a lot, like you said, about 30% of the time. Uh, I mean, and I don't mean unique, meaning it's nowhere else in the world, but it's definitely a problem that we run into all the time. I think the, the biggest concern is that most people are pretty ignorant about what it is and what's going on, what the underlying causes are, what the costs might be to repair it, those types of things. So it's it, uh, kind of a big question mark, and especially in underwriting and, and appraisal and lending, nobody likes question marks.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I have to say, I always save my attic inspections for the end. So I'll go through a house. It's super clean. Everything looks great. And I get into the attic and my heart just drops, right? Because I know it's expensive. I know it's a big deal. People are concerned about it. And it's something that I have to bring to their attention.
1: And from my perspective, I know of appraisers who don't even put themselves on the FHA or the VA panel because they don't want to climb up a ladder or they don't want to get even look into a crawl space A lot of those lenders, they state a head and shoulders inspection, which means you got to open up the scuttle or whatever and get up on a ladder, get your head and shoulders into the attic and look around. You don't actually go through the attic the way you might, Tim.
0: Right, no, exactly, and so so here we are. We the inspections called it out, and and you're not able to negotiate. Let's say with the, with the seller, and then the real estate appraisal comes in at the very end prior to closing, and all of a sudden this issue lurks its ugly head again. So, um, if you haven't called a remediation company to out to do this at, after the home inspection, and it comes up again with the real estate appraisal, or if you just notice it in your house, this is where Bob and Cleaner Guys comes in. So, you know, Bob, generally speaking, what what does mold in an attic Look like like what 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 could clients look for if uh, to to see if they have any apparent mold in their attic? Is it obvious?
2: Yeah, I think uh, so. The the first thing that we look for is we're looking for causal issues, and we're looking for um, a distinction between an active problem and discoloration or staining from something that happened in the past. Um, you know, most houses have been around for a while, and if they get a mold problem, a remediation company will come in and they'll clean it or spray it or do whatever, but they don't actually. Uh, remove staining and discoloration from the wood. So what you might see as an inspector may be a mold problem. It may just be discoloration that's old. And so part of the distinction is what's the remedy for those two very different situations. A lot of times when people call, that's one of the very first things that we ask is, do you, are you looking for information about the problem or are you looking for a solution to just presuming that there's a problem? And in, in that case, we would refer, if they want information, we would actually refer them to a hygienist who can go in and do tape lift samples, air samples, and different things like that. Send it to a laboratory, get those tests um, or the samples incubated and say, yes, there's an active mold problem in the attic. Uh, if there is, that's kind of one degree of problem. If there's not, that's a different degree of problem and, and the solutions are different.
0: So differentiating between active and historic, that's the big question that comes up all the time is, you know, I'll get it from the realtor uh, representing the seller saying, oh no, that's historic to which I will counter and say, you know, I really can't tell if it's historic or active. All I can report is I see apparent mold. And so, um, there are things we'll get into here in the future. I'm sure uh, in this conversation to figure out how to deal with that. But, um, it's it's I always err on the side of it's present. It could very well be an active problem. Have it further evaluated, Liz.
1: Right. Making that determination by a home inspector or an appraiser is is not our job. Our job is to state what we see and to refer out to someone because the type of testing that you just described, Bob, is not something that we would do in our normal course of work.
0: Right. And, and so a lot of people are probably, you know, freaked out about mold. I mean, whenever you hear mold, you, you think about health concerns. Is it the dreaded black mold? Uh, do we need to evacuate the house? Do we need to wrap the house or which would be the opposite of what you want to do? Um, you know, Bob, can you talk a little bit about health concerns specifically related to attic mold?
2: Sure. So I think one of the very first things is that you're dealing with two dynamic systems. Um, so human beings are a dynamic system and mold is a dynamic system you throw a house into there, maybe that's a third dynamic system. And it's not really possible to say um, whether there's uh, a health problem without actually knowing the dynamics of all of that. Um, when people do call, a lot of times that's what they want to know. Am I, am I in danger? Is my child going to get sick? I had a runny nose last week. Is this the reason why? And the reality is you need to go talk to your doctor.
1: So I have a question. Sure. Does the certain color of mold, can you look at something and make a determination based on that? Like, you know, is a certain type of color of, or description of a mold, a certain type of health safety, you know, is that a, an issue or is it?
2: Yeah. So back to the dynamic environment. So different molds affect different people, different environments, different quantities, different uh, concentrations is a big issue. Um, one of the things is that most people that I know don't live in their attic. So if you have an attic problem, a mold problem in the attic, even if it's really heavy. Well, if you don't spend time there, the chances of you having a health-related issue to that is going to be pretty low. Um, Typically, um, and I don't see this personally, but in training and study, where you see people with real health problems is when they have, um, say, a bedroom in a basement and there's a mold problem in the wall cavities because there's groundwater intrusion or some other ongoing thing. Well, if you spend uh, six to nine hours a night in your bed, breathing deeply right next to a mold in a wall cavity or on the wall or behind the bed or whatever yeah you know, probably anybody is probably going to get a health problem and some people never do you know it's it's there's a big dynamic there that can't just be answered by saying what kind of mold it is or how much is there
1: yeah so from a safety perspective there's a difference between mold down in in a basement or on the main level of the house where someone might be sleeping versus an uh, upper story bathroom fan that's venting into the attic that just hasn't been venting properly for many years or created a problem.
2: Yeah, and the distinction there is exposure. Right. So, so the the amount of exposure that an individual would have to mold, and this is the same with anything: dust, pollen, asbestos, drywall, mushrooms, uh, pizza. Right. <laughs> Carbs. The, the, the problem. Yeah. The, the problem is with exposure, okay. not necessarily with uh, with an acute. Uh, issue where, um, let's say, so take Tim, you you put your head in the attic to look for uh, what's going on in attic space. Do you panic and go to the doctor if you see mold in the attic?
0: I don't, but I wear a mask uh, 70% of the time.
2: But it's it's a few seconds exposure, right? You're not living there. If you were living in the house and there was a really heavy, you know, problem, and let's say there's recessed lighting and they have a big um, fan in their kitchen that's drawing out air, so you have Uh, a negative air pressure in the main living space, bringing air from the attic into the house. Absolutely. I would be concerned about there being a problem, but how often do you see that? I mean, I would say almost,
0: yeah, it's pretty rare, pretty rare to see that. And I think, uh, you know, Bob, what you're saying I like is figuring out what is the underlying cause. That's really what needs to be evaluated first. Is this like Liz is saying, just a bathroom vent fan discharging into the attic. Um, that's probably not going to be a health concern, but is it related to something within the home itself that's presenting in the attic and may also be presenting in wall or floor cavities or the crawl space, et cetera, from recurrent water intrusion, moisture, or what have you? That could definitely be a health concern or uh, Bob uses big words like a negative pressure between the attic and the house, which would be sucking mold spores potentially from the attic down into the house. That could be a health concern as well. So I think the, the main thing to figure out is why. What's going on, study why, and then you need to do that before uh, you do any remediation work uh, to figure out what what's causing this and understand that fully before you move on to any remediation work is that does that sound right Bob?
2: It, it does, and the irony is that from back to the appraisal standpoint and the lender, the why is the mold there? It's really should be more of their concern than the mold that is there the The mold is almost a um, a political diplomatic issue with people being worried about it, but really. It has to have water there for it to be growing. How is the water getting there? Why is it there? That's really the real problem.
1: Yeah, and appraisers have to state whenever they see water in a house also, whether it's uh, mold has grown from that water or not. Um, The appraiser, if there's water streaking down a wall or staining in a ceiling, those are also things that you have to note um, on an appraisal and take a photo of for most lenders.
2: Sure, and and I would expect that uh, mold in an attic space uh, would be an indication of a failed roof, more than likely. And I, I, from from a cost standpoint and a building health standpoint, I'd be far more concerned about a bad roof than I would be about some discoloration on the sheeting in the attic. Uh, what ends up happening a lot of times is uh, somebody will know they have a bad roof, they replace the roof, and nobody ever looks in the attic. You know, they had water leaking in or something. They painted a coat of paint over the ceiling to color to cover the water damage issue and nobody went in the attic so then you come later you know say five years later if somebody wants to sell their house and they say oh the the roof's five years old there's no problems you go in the attic there's mold or discoloration or both the roof's been replaced so actually the cause of the damage has been removed and here we're trying to figure out like what is the problem because especially from a remediation standpoint i don't want to go in and clean an attic and then five years from now or two years from now or six months from now, the mold problem comes back because I'm the one that they're going to blame.
1: Right. Yeah. So dealing with it in a way that every subsequent professional that follows can identify that it's not a current and ongoing issue is part of.
2: Yeah. And getting back to what Tim was saying about the historical nature of it. If somebody, if there's a history, there should be documentation. If I own my house and I have a mold problem in my attic and I hire a company to come in and do mold remediation, I'm going to have paperwork and I'm going to have that in my file so that when I go to sell the house and an inspector comes in and says, there's something that looks like mold in the attic, you should have a professional come and look at it. I can say, I already did that right. and we took care of it. And yeah, here's I've got the, documentation. the paperwork stapled
1: to the attic wall. That's right. So do you guys typically paint? the when, when does the painting of the attic come into that process?
2: Yeah, so ironically, the ceiling is not a remediation step. It's really an assurance step. We, so the, the, the mold remediation process is removal of contamination from the attic space. If we want to go in with a sealer, it's really only going to be to assure that there's not going to be a problem in the future because we use a sealer that's impregnated with an antimicrobial agent and that stops mold growth.
1: Great. Yeah
0: and typically is that sealer is that colored or do you use a clear sealer or how do you do that cuz you know for me as a home inspector I go up there if I see discoloration I call it out every single time so some companies use a clear sealer some people companies will use white some will use tan i'm personally biased towards a tan color because i think i can see mold into the future if i were to look at it and if i'm inspecting a house that has a tan colored attic then if it's tan 5 years later I'm pretty confident that the problem's been dealt with. Whereas if it's clear and you can still see the apparent mold, even though it's behind, you know, uh, you know, an encapsulated layer, I really don't know.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think in the remediation industry, you'd have a hard time uh, finding consensus on that because a lot of people want no sealer because they want to know that if the problem's ongoing or not, they want a clear sealer because they do actually want to be able to see through it. Some people do a white sealer because then you can see if there's new mold growth on top of it. Uh, I agree with you about the tinted because it's just lower key. It just it it does its job, but it doesn't um, doesn't flash, if you will, like a white sealer does, and it's not trying to conceal the problem by putting a clear on it.
1: So when we look at houses later on, after maybe a sealer or paint has been applied to the attic surface. it doesn't necessarily mean there's there's maybe been a problem, but it's probably been remediated. And if we don't see anything at that, that next time that we're in there, we don't necessarily need to flag it again. We don't need to call it out as an issue at that point.
2: Yeah, and I don't pretend to know all of the rules and regulations that you guys need to follow. I would think that if you went into an attic and saw that a sealer had apply, been applied, I might not... If I was inspecting a house, I don't think I would project onto that condition um, the potential of a problem, but I would make a note that says there's a sealer been applied to the sheeting in the attic space. Um, Presumably the homeowners have some sort of documentation as to why that happened, because that also happens after a fire. Uh, You have a kitchen fire and it goes up through the cabinets and burns into the attic space. Um, fire damage restoration very frequently uh, includes a sealer.
1: Yeah, As appraisers, our obligation really is just to state truthfully what we see and convey it to our clients in a clear manner.
0: Exactly. And and Bob's exactly right. So if you see an attic painted white, tan, or, or any other color, it's usually either fire or mold in the past. And and the seller should have documentation for that. And again, if it's happened you know, decades ago or five years ago and it's been painted over, then from my perspective, it's just a simple disclosure. Okay. The attic's painted tan or is painted white. It's still white, still tan. It's beautiful. In fact, one of the most beautiful attics you've ever seen. And as long as it's beautiful forevermore, we don't have a problem, but you should just be aware of it moving into the future. So it's just kind of information conveyed to the client.
2: Yeah. And so I think uh, our first little uh, tips and trick here is to have documentation. Yep. If you, if you have a mold problem in your attic or you buy a house that has one and it gets remediated, there should be paperwork. Keep it.
0: Exactly. And, and in our industry, at least the home inspection industry, it's a bit of a liability pass. So, I see mold in an attic, apparent mold, and if it's been remediated and the seller can provide documentation that it's been remediated by a company like Cleaner Guys, then I say it appears to have been satisfactorily remediated by a qualified contractor. Blah blah blah, and then the liability's been passed, and at least that that information's been conveyed to the client. So, um, so what I'm hearing is, oh yeah, go ahead.
2: So, just one other thing along those lines, it's also um, a demarcation point. So, if a company like us comes in and does remediation. And five years later, you go to do an inspection for sale and they waive their paperwork and say, but I had mold remediation. And you're like, I'm scraping stuff off of the sheeting. There's still a problem underlying. Correct. So you could still have a roof leak. You could still have ventilation problems. So they hired a remediation company. Fantastic. They did remediation. Fantastic. But you didn't fix the underlying cause it's meaningless Which because is there's, why. A, there's a new problem there.
0: Which is why it's critical, in my opinion, to have the attic sealed either white or tinted colored paint uh, to encapsulate because that's really the only way to effectively monitor it. If it's white or tan moving forward and clean, you're good. But if you see growth on it, you know there's a recurrence problem that needs to be dealt with.
1: So it's the easiest way for a homeowner to monitor it. I'm sure that cleaner guys could get up there and monitor it you know, periodically and, and they have other methods that would deal with the clear sealer and
2: yeah. And our other methods would be to call an industrial hygienist because we don't do testing. Um, from a conflict of interest standpoint, we like to see a third party come in. And if, if it's a really, so here's an example. Um, there's a lot of relocation companies around where you'll have an executive living in an area. They're getting relocated by their company and they don't want to sit around and wait for their house to go on sale or to sell. So what they'll do is they'll just move them and the relocation per- company handles it. Well, all of a sudden. There's a whole lot more liability, and there's a whole lot more um, uh, technical expertise looking at that. And so, I would actually want to have inspection before I do the remediation because I want a baseline for where the. To actually define that there was a problem and what it was and where it was, so that when we get done, a second round of testing can show that our remediation was successful. Because then, in two, three, four, five years, or whatever, they can't come back and say that we didn't do a good job because we have that um clearance test that says at the time that we came out and looked at the job after cleaner guys was done it was clean
1: right
0: so this is a highly litigious field i think that's fair to say and but i'm going to come out and say that generally speaking attic mold is not a health concern um so i want to talk a little bit about stack effect and this is this is what i'm leading into stack effect is a phenomenon, Um, basically hot air rises in a house. And the majority of times, and Bob, you can correct me if if I'm wrong here, but um, the majority of times, attic mold is related to bathroom vent fans or roof leak. Uh, or, or something like that. Those are the two major contributors to it. And so they're usually isolated to the attic area. Hot air from a house rising up through a house and through the attic, mold doesn't go against that upward flow of air. Um, so it's generally not a health concern to the indoor air quality concerns of a homeowner, um, unless it's related to something underlying in the house, which, which does happen, but I think it's more rare. I think that's fair to say. Does that, does that seem right, Bob, to you?
2: Yeah, I would go along with that as a, as a general principle. Um, we tend to see uh, modern construction technique um, provides adequate ventilation most of the time. Sometimes lifestyle issues will overwhelm that because it's only really designed for minimum uh, or normal occupancy. If you have a house that's, um, say it's a three bedroom house, it's designed for five or six people to be living in there and there's nine people living in there or 10, you can kind of overwhelm that, that house system and the engineering behind it.
0: So let's make this really simple Um, to homeowners. What kind of advice can we give to homeowners who are worried about this? Let's say you're selling a house or you're buying a house. Uh, You know the inspector is going to be looking up into the attic. The real estate appraiser may look up into the attic. There's nothing stopping you from looking up into your attic. A ladder and a flashlight and you look up there. And uh, what I'm looking for is discoloration of the plywood or the trusses, either white or black. It, frankly, it's pretty obvious. Um, so if you're up there and you see discoloration or something that you think may be discoloration, it would be worthwhile to hire a company like Cleaner Guys, hire a home inspection company to come out and give you their opinion about it, um, before, it becoming a, before it becomes a larger issue.
2: I agree with that, Tim, but I would probably take it one step further. When we do an inspection, we typically do what we call a friability test where we'll get up there and actually um, rub the surface of the material a little bit and try to take that Um, visible discoloration to the next level and see can it easily be removed with just a little bit of friction if it can that's a better piece of information that there could be a mold problem Uh, we're going to do moisture inspection we're going to do a number of different things to figure out uh, what the underlying cause is and that's really always what we're trying to accomplish cleaning an attic is not that big of a deal if it's if the sheeting is wet there's water in there that's the real problem
0: Yeah, exactly. And so from the home inspection, we come from different perspectives and have different objectives, right? So the home inspector is going to look in the attic and see discoloration. That's going to be flagged by 99% of home inspectors, which is going to pull the trigger for cleaner guys to come out and determine is this active or historic. And that's really, if it's active, they need to figure out why. Fix that and then they can remediate and encapsulate. And if it's historic, my recommendation to clients when they ask me is I would recommend that it be encapsulated uh, simply because even though it's more of a cosmetic thing, when they sell the house down the line, it's going to come up again. And then the seller is going to wave their hand with this documentation. No, no, no. We had cleaner guys come out here and they said it's historic. And I'm, they're going to ask me my opinion. And my opinion will be, oh, I appreciate that you have this five-year-old documentation, but I still see discoloration up there. And I can't be definitive that it's not a recurrent problem. So my recommendation would be that it be encapsulated and painted.
2: Yeah, and I would agree with that. And, and like I'd mentioned before, that's definitely an assurance step. It's not part of the mold remediation process. And I'm not opposed to sealers. Um I like them just fine, and if anything, it actually makes me sleep a little bit better at night if every single mold remediation project that we did had a sealer applied because the the stuff that we use the manufacturer puts a ten year warranty behind it so and now if you use all their products for the remediation and then you apply their sealer, everybody's more comfortable it It just is a good way to go
1: right, and from the appraisal perspective. Um you don't want to be having to turn down a really great offer just because the the type of loan that's being applied for is an FHA or a VA loan and they see something in the attic. Um you you want to go ahead and deal with that ahead of time because um
0: Yeah, you don't know what kind of loan your buyers getting. Right. It may be a VA or FHA loan.
1: Right. And and uh even if we see mold, you know, in the other spaces of the home.
2: So I've got a question for you Tim. Yeah when people call you for your services how frequently are they calling you for a pre sale inspection where they're trying to figure this stuff out before it's being inspected because there's a sale on the line truth
0: truth be told fairly rarely you know maybe 5 Five percent of my clients call me for pre-inspections. Um, the The issue being that when you're when you do a pre-inspection before you sell a home, it's the ultimate disclosure. So the inspector comes in, inspects the entire house, and then the seller then knows everything about the house, and they have to, by state law, disclose that moving forward. So um, I, I still think that's important to do. I, I'm a huge advocate for it, although I'm a biased party as for getting inspections. But I think knowing exactly what's going to come up or very close to what's going to be coming up when a buyer's inspector comes through the house, because it, it happens at the end, you know, when you're negotiating, right, you come to terms, you've got a short time window to get inspections done. And all of a sudden this bombshell comes from the home inspection, which you could have known about three, four months ago and dealt with it proactively. If there was a mold issue, you have cleaner guys come out, remediate it. It's no longer an issue. It's no longer scary to buyers. I can tell you countless examples of people that have walked away from homes because there was mold in an attic.
1: Right. And the uh, the appraisal process is even following the home inspection. So we've already got, you know, everyone's come to terms. The home inspections happened. Now they've ordered the appraisal. The homeowner has paid for the appraisal and the appraisers come out. They've seen something. It's become a red flag for the underwriter. And now you've got a delay in the closing and likely you've got fees to have all these reinspections done or to have the mold inspector come out, generate a report, fix it. And then there's there could likely be a, an appraisal reinspection, which is even more appraisal fee um, for whoever's purchasing the home.
2: Yeah, and one of the things that happens on our side too is, of course, when people call and they say, "Hey, I'm selling my house" or "I'm buying this house," and the inspector said, "And the thing, can you get this done in the next two weeks?" Mm, right. And that I mean, <laughs> that's literally, I mean. Timeline. That's the most difficult thing that we have to deal with is the timeline issues.
0: So on that note, uh, that, that's the fact for every contractor, especially in this crazy market. Everyone's busy. They're building houses, dealing with you know, the myriad different transactions that are going forth. And so it's almost impossible to get contractors in to effect changes prior to closing or within your time window. So usually what's negotiated or recommended is to get bids. So we have a company like cleaner guys that can uh, hopefully come out within your timeframe and at least give a bid uh, or an estimate for what this might cost to remediate. And then you negotiate that with the sellers and you get on the schedule to have it dealt with in the next three, six months, something like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that we try to do is uh, we can control our administrative uh, workload a little bit better than we can with the physical workload. So When somebody calls cleaner guys, uh, typically it's going to be me that comes out and does the inspection, but I'm not the guy that does the remediation on the site. So it's, it's easier for me to get out right away and at least get people the information that they need to start making decisions.
0: And Bob does a great inspection. I have to say, I've read his reports before and he's got these moisture meters up there in every nook and cranny of the attic and he's very, very thorough. So he really wants to figure out why, because the last thing Bob wants is for you to be calling him back, you know, a year or two years later to say, Hey, listen, you did this great job and it cost me a lot of money, but it's recurring. And of course you can't guarantee that it won't recur, but, um, you know, he does a great job ferreting out issues.
1: Yeah. And you have to remember from the appraisal process, even if the parties involved are willing to price, to take a price reduction or a concession for a fix after closing, the lender, the person that's taking the risk on the home is probably not going to be willing to do that.
2: Right. And one of the issues that we have to deal with is I'm just a small local business. You know, We're here in Skagit County. I can't afford to have upset customers all over the place and negative reviews and all that type of thing. So that's why I take the time to educate people and 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 not only sometimes to deal with their fears because you do deal with people that are scared you know they just found out something terrible about their house and they had no idea it's going to cost a lot of money uh, but the reality is it's 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 mold um, it has a bad reputation but it, it's a micro a micro biological problem it's um. It's actually pretty simple to fix. It's, it's nature. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's
1: a real big trigger though. That's why we chose to do a whole podcast about it.
0: Yeah, and and I wanted to also mention my wife, Liz, and I, she does real estate appraisals and I do home inspections. Don't ever share your home inspection report with a real estate appraiser. <laughs> and I never talked to my wife, Liz, about... What I discover in a house? Why? Because if she learns about it, she has to disclose it in her report, and then the underwriter will look <laughs> at it and it'll be an issue. So uh, zipped lips on yeah. my part whenever any real estate appraiser asks me a question. Well,
1: we all have an obligation of client confidentiality. Um, and appraisers also they don't release their reports to anyone other than their client.
0: But as a, as a client, don't if the appraiser asks for your home inspection report, I would just say uh, plead the fifth. Okay, so <laughs> moving forward on that. Bob, can you give us an idea about uh, just so homeowners can have a feel about typical mold remediation costs? Like, let's say we have just standard ballpark. I know you haven't seen the house, but say, uh, you know, an 1800 square foot, three bedroom, two bathroom, two story house, your your typical home. There's an attic mold remediation issue there. What are we looking at in terms of costs? Are we looking at tens of thousands? Are we looking at a thousand dollars, three thousand generally?
2: Definitely not tens of thousands. Uh, one of the difficulties about um, doing a sort of a, a blanket statement about costs is the biggest issues for us is access. So a roof that has a 612 pitch is different than an attic that has a roof that's a 412 pitch or a 312 pitch because just access. Um, put on a Tyvek suit and a respirator and then go an army crawl through, a, through an attic space trying to get it clean every single crevice. The time is a big, big factor. And that's one of the reasons why I also like to make that initial inspection, because I'm not just looking at the house in the attic for what is the real problem and talking to the customer, but evaluating how long is it going to take for our people to do the work.
0: And for our clients, uh, we service both San Juan County, Skagit Island, Whatcom counties. But for our, our clients that are up in the San Juans, I think there's an added layer of travel and expense, right, for your guys to go back and forth. Or can you usually do a job in a day or how does that work?
2: Yeah, typically we don't get a job done in a day. Um, there's there's dwell times required for the chemicals that we use, and again, this depends on the remediation technique that we're using. Um, some of the peroxide products that we use, they really need to have a dwell time uh, to have their full uh, effectiveness. And particularly if we're going to be doing remediation where we're not going to be applying a sealer, we really need to follow the protocol pretty close.
1: Bob, what does dwell time mean?
2: Oh, sorry. So the amount of time that the chemicals are sitting, soaking into the plywood and having their, or OSB sheeting or whatever, having their time to um, have an effect on the mold and the discoloration okay, and all of that. Okay,
1: to do its work. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So I think we've covered most of the salient points about attic mold. Um, Bob, do you have any kind of take-home points or advice that you would give uh, to to homeowners, buyers, sellers about attic mold?
2: Um you know, the reality is I, I can't uh, overemphasize knowing and being comfortable with your own house and having some basic understanding of the conditions that are there. If you have a house that was built in the twenties, um, you really should be looking at some of these things before you put your house on the market for sale and let somebody else come and find it. Uh, if you have a house that, um, and, and, and maybe it's not as easy for a non-professional to tell, but if your you know roof is covered with moss... If you're on the north side of Orcas Island and your house is in the shade, 99% of the year, you probably ought to look in the attic. You might have a problem going on because chances are the standard ventilation engineering is not going to be sufficient for the, the air that you have there. Um, and getting that pre-inspection, you know, calling somebody, I don't know what you charge to do pre-inspection, but it's not quite as laborious as uh, doing some of the other things. And it um, can save people a lot of time and money. And again, we talked about having history, Well, if you have a pre-inspection, find out you have a problem, have remediation, and then put your house on the market, two weeks ago was history. So having documentation saying we had a problem, we took care of it, it's done.
1: Yeah, there's nothing, uh, uh, pre-appraisal does not exist.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and furthermore to that point, um, you know, having, everything's fixable. You know, clients shouldn't freak out if there's mold called out in their attic or if they see it in their home. Uh, you know, you can sleep well at night. You don't need to evacuate the home, uh, you know, unless you're having serious health concerns, but it's 99% of the problem time it's not a health concern and it's fixable. And if you are on the north side of Orcas Island or San Juan Island or Lopez Island in an area where pernicious mold growth may present, there's a fix for that too. It's called mechanical ventilation, et cetera. There, there are ways to deal with that that, that cleaner guys can deal with. So-
2: yeah. And we're, we're glad to refer, um, other contractors. So we, we talk about engineering controls, whether that's, um, uh, adding active ventilation, doing, you can do a humidistat, uh, in the attic so that if the humidity is getting up, um, to a certain level, then the fans automatically turn on so that you're not just running them all the time. Uh, there's things like that. Uh, one of the things that we do see up in the islands too, is a lot of people are, uh, seem to be big fans of, uh, closed in soffits for architectural reasons. They, they like the way that it looks, but then you're restricting airflow significantly. And so if you have things like that, you might need to put something else proactively uh, in place to
0: stop that from happening. Okay, that's great. It's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in to Real Estate Unveiled.
1: And make sure to tune in for our next podcast, which we will broadcast every Monday, the first of the month, and we'll be all about windows, specifically appraisal and inspection issues with windows. And we'll be interviewing another great local contractor.
0: Special and sincere thanks to Bob Shoup and Cleaner Guys for agreeing to participate in this podcast. You can reach Bob at CleanerGuys.com or 360-757-4300.
1: And a thanks to David Baker with Seller Rat Recording for production and studio.
0: For real estate appraisals, you can reach Liz at www.allislandsappraisal.com or 360-317-5845. And for home and commercial building inspections, you can reach me at www.allislandsinspections.com or 360-298-1163.
1: And thanks so much for listening. Feel free to contact us with any podcast suggestions or if you're a real estate professional and would like to be featured in an upcoming podcast.